I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Mid-50s for Saturday, 58. Are you ready? The First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog face pony show. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. This is First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show, and welcome to my favorite day of the week, First Amendment Friday. I want to give you a little update before I get to Northwest topics. I got to tell you this, there is a battle that is shaping up, and we don't know exactly where it's going to go. You've got the governor of the state of Texas that has told the president, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. You want me to throw America's southern border open. And Greg Abbott has put up razor wire along the Texas border with Mexico. Then the Supreme Court came along and said, well, we're not going to tell him to take that razor wire down, but we will tell Customs and Border Protection, the Border Patrol, you can go in and cut as much of that wire as you want. To which Texas responded by saying, cut all you want, we're going to put up more. And they are putting up more. And then Governor Greg Abbott said, I have, I'm going to assert the right to protect my own state. And he's doing that. And yesterday... Something really extraordinary happened. I mean, even for the craziness of Joe Biden and his presidency so far, I mean, throwing the border open, shutting down American energy, get his, getting us into more wars and conflicts, spending beyond all reason to a $2 trillion deficit, beyond all that craziness, President Biden threw down the gauntlet. He said, I'm giving Texas 24 hours to comply with what I'm demanding. I demand that you give back that stretch of the Rio Grande that is currently under the control of the Texas National Guard. President Biden demanded that. And he said, you have 24 hours until 1 o'clock Texas time. Well, guess what? That deadline passed about an hour ago. And like one of my producers said, Joel said, or what? I mean, Joe Biden is saying, you will do what I tell you to do, Texas. And there's even a real constitutional question whether a president can order a state to do much of anything. The powers of the federal government are limited in the Constitution. And I've seen at least a couple of constitutional lawyers say presidents don't order states to do anything. I mean, even during the pandemic, you understand that when President Trump and others were talking about masks and shutdowns and this and that and the other thing, 
it was states that made the decisions. In this case, Texas has said, we're not going to comply. We're not going to simply hand over part of Texas to the federal government. And Greg Abbott, the governor of that state, has said, we will stand up to the federal government. We will use our Texas National Guard if necessary. And guess what? 25 other states, that's half of America's states, unless, of course, you're a follower of Barack Obama, in which case you think there are 58 states. But for the rest of us, 50 states, half of them, have now said we side with Texas. Texas is right, and Joe Biden should mind his own business. And you know what part of his business should be? Guarding America's borders. Do you know what he's not been doing for the last three years? Guarding America's borders. What has he done? He's thrown them open. I mean, he has turned the Customs and Border Protection people into a concierge service for illegal aliens. He has the CBP welcoming them in, giving them a ride to a temporary detention center where they get a shower and three hots and a cot and medical care. And then they get an airplane ticket to fly without picture ID anywhere they want to go in the United States. And guess who's paying the bill? You and me. We're paying the bill. That's what's crazy. So Joe Biden throws down the gauntlet yesterday and says, you, Texas, you will do what I tell you to do. I mean, if this guy didn't look impotent already, I mean, he's presiding over an absolute meltdown of the country. And if you don't believe me, go to the grocery store. Go visit the gas pumps. Take a look at how your paycheck today compares to your paycheck three years ago and what you can actually do with that money. Your paycheck buys 19% less today than it did just three years ago. 19%. It means that $100 bill you took after you got paid three years ago is today in real dollars worth 81 bucks. So it's an economic meltdown. It's a social meltdown. It's a border meltdown. We're now engaged in foreign conflicts we weren't engaged in before. We've got trouble in the Middle East. We've got trouble in Ukraine. We've got potential trouble right off the coast of China near Taiwan. We've got all of this going on, and the guy in charge is running around saying, I'm going to tell Texas what to do, and they'll do it or else. Or else what? Joe, you're going to send the federal marshals down to arrest the governor of Texas? You're going to put him in leg irons? Well, that wouldn't do much good. He's already in a wheelchair. You're going to go down and take him into custody and what? Throw him in federal custody, and he'll end up like uh, Jeffrey Epstein or something? This is the kind of insanity that's going on right now. And Joe Biden, and I'll remind you of this, when he came into office, he said, I'm going to be a uniter. He said that on the campaign trail. He said it in the debates. He said, and I know a lot of politicians talk about things they never get done. But Joe Biden promised to open the border. He did. He promised to destroy the oil industry. He has. He's going to wipe out most of America's automobile making business and most of the people who work in it by saying we got to have electric cars, which only take 40 workers for every 100 workers you'd need. So a bunch of you UAW guys, you're going to be off the job. And guess what? It's your labor union that put the money behind Joe Biden. So in some ways, it kind of serves you right. I mean, I understand you're going to take that as a harsh message, but if you folks don't stand up, and say, don't you give that fool one damn dime. Because if you fund the election of Joe Biden, and then Joe Biden says, I'm going to wipe out six out of every ten automaking jobs in America, 
and you labor union members agreed to let your unions do it, then who should you blame? But back to the border. I just find this kind of comical because Joe Biden has done so much in the last three years to emasculate himself. You know, he walks into office and he's so proud he's signing executive orders. There, I just wiped out a bunch of union jobs on the Keystone XL pipeline. There, I wiped out some more union jobs in oil refining and drilling for oil. Let's wipe all those out. And then I'm going to wipe out a bunch of auto worker jobs. And then, oh, we're going to shut down power. We're not going to have electric power in America anymore because we're going to buy all of our electric power making machines from Joe's communist buddies in China because we're going to win, run on windmills and solar panels. So we're going to shut down a whole bunch of power plants. All the coal plants have to go. No more natural gas plants. No, we're not going to build nuclear. And I want you to ask yourself, we talk about unions a bit on my show. Imagine all the union jobs that would have been provided to build nuclear plants, to build natural gas-fired power plants, to build all those facilities. And just, just this week, Joe Biden decided we're not going to export natural gas. We have almost a 100 years of natural gas. And Joe Biden said, no, we're not going to ship it anywhere. We're not going to do that. Union jobs, bye-bye. And you union members, if you don't stand up and say something about it, I got to tell you something. This guy has emasculated himself in Afghanistan. He's a, He can't get anything done on Capitol Hill. Nobody pays attention to him anymore. He practically invites uh, Russia to invade Ukraine and all of this. And then Joe Biden throws down the gauntlet on Texas. The deadline goes by. And kind of like Barack Obama's red lines, the red line got crossed and Joe was left holding the bag. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. He has small-town politics with big-town opinions. This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, your body well right. You know he got a right to 
This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. If you think that last week was a snow job, check out the blizzard of BS blowing out of the Oregon Department of Education. And no surprise, the legacy media, even my TV alma mater, KPTV, shovels that snow job precisely the way the government wants. KPTV headline today, Oregon achieves second highest graduation rate in history. Daily dead fish wrapper, Oregon graduation flat from last year. Well, it sounds okay, except it's fake. Oregon dropped all requirements that kids must read, write, or do math in order to graduate. What kind of graduation rate would you expect if you dropped all the requirements? I mean, if they just dropped that pesky requirement that you can actually shoot, run, and make three-pointers, I'd be playing in the NBA. Now, I can tell you why this is happening. Government-run schools only graduate four kids out of five, and that's what they're bragging about. Despite literally the best funding for education anywhere on earth here in the United States, only about half of those who graduate test as proficient in math, reading, and other subjects. Toxic teachers unions have discovered their members don't even have to show up to teach during a pandemic. They can take time off for a strike. They can go missing during bad weather, but the checks just keep on coming. Parents woke up to that, and now they're pulling their kids out in droves. Charter and private schools, they scoop up those students. That means the money for the public schools is going missing. Government schools face a threat to their very existence, as they should. If you're a failed institution, you should lose your support. How many of you would keep your jobs with an 80% track record like that? So, crank up the propaganda machine and slap some lipstick on that pig. Our question of the day, I'm wondering if this is the way that Mayor Feckless Ted Wheeler's plan to revive the corpse of Portland is going to work. Well, it seems nobody's buying it. Viewpoint Construction Software was among Oregon's largest technology firms, says the Daily Dead Fish Wrapper, before its sale about six years ago to a California company called Trimble. The $1.2 billion deal was the largest ever for a Port Portland-based technology business. Near the Viewpoint offices, here's my favorite quote from the Fish Wrapper, a woman participating in a, drug, a drum circle nearby was fatally shot in 2022. A 49-year-old man was shot near there last month. In the summer of 2022, a man attacked a man and his 5-year-old daughter who were merely visiting from California on the bike path in an anti-alleged anti-Asian bias crime. And guess what? Viewpoint Construction Software is moving out of Portland to Lake Oswego. So do you think that Ted's plan is working? It doesn't seem to be. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I'm going to give the grill to the justice system, and let me tell you why. This specific case, take yourself back about a year and a half, uh, the summer of 2022. And what was going on? There was a string of arsons. There were fires set near Mount Tabor Park over and over and over again. And then they caught one of the arsonists, and he turned in the other two. And now Malik Harris, Samuel Perkins, and Wayne Chen. They have all admitted they started the fires. So 
They committed arson. They've admitted they committed arson. And they have now pleaded guilty. And that is the proper term, not pled, but pleaded. They pleaded guilty to the arson charge. Do you know what they got? Not a day in prison, not a day in jail, but two years of probation and 160 hours, about a month's work in community service. The daily grill to any system that says that when somebody commits crimes, even if they did it as teenagers, they are all now young adults, and then they plead guilty to the crime. They get caught doing the crime, and they plead out that the punishment doesn't involve anything but probation and community service, and short in both cases. Today's best email, but you can always send more. This one comes in from Lori Rockwell. Lawrence, love your show. Listen to it every day. When I hear you talk about the number of illegal aliens who have been allowed into our country, it terrifies me. I'm worried that many of these young men are being sent from other countries that want to destroy our country and take it over. They're positioning themselves and waiting on orders to attack us from within, catching us off guard. We are the most powerful country in the world. And the area of control, there's no telling what could happen to the rest of the world if we were gone. I've also wondered if the Democrat intentions altogether are to make sure we become a globalist country. I think you're absolutely right. And by the way, Lori, you're convinced that we face major league national security issues because of the border. I agree with that. And just this week, some of the top former officials from Homeland Security and even the FBI have said they're fearful that this wide open border has created a national security problem for the whole country. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Let's go first to Teresa. Teresa, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, I like your list of all the things Biden has put us hardworking middle class Americans through. Thank you. Uh, during his term, there's a few more that are just as bad. Uh, we're personally going through some medical issues right now and are shocked at how much the medical community has been decimated by his COVID mandate. Still, it's unbelievable. Not to mention fly, <clears throat> excuse me, flying and what's happened with Boeing, all the DEI mess that we find ourselves in because we're not, we're not valuing excellence anymore. It's all about equity. Uh, you mentioned education. That's still huge with parents and women all across the country. And you mentioned crime, too, because, uh, again, as a voter, as a middle-class American woman and parent and grandparent, this is just, you know, on top of the border, this is just unbelievable. Biden, I call him O-Biden because yeah. I know Obama's behind It's Obama who's calling I, the shots. Yeah. yeah, and when I think, why is Texas acting like this? Um, or, sorry, now Texas, why is Biden reacting to Texas and Governor Abbott like this? It's because that's what, that's what Obama would do. If you bring knives to a fight, he said he'll bring guns. He's not going to do anything other than be the tyrant that he is. And it, so, it, I think everything you said is true, Teresa, but here's what's self-defeating. Have you ever seen a big, tough guy or a guy who thinks he's big and tough, and he acts big and tough, and then he finally draws a line and says, don't you dare step across it. And somebody does anyway, and nothing happens. If you mentioned Obama, do you remember when Obama drew uh, what he called a red line, and it was for the country of Syria? And he said, if they cross this line, then I'm going to do something. And they crossed the line, and he did nothing. What does that tell yep. not just everybody in the country, but what does it tell everybody around the world? I mean, when you abandon Afghanistan and Americans get murdered and Americans get trapped behind enemy lines, 
when you invite an invasion of Ukraine and then object to it, uh, when you do all these other things that where the whole world can see you damaging your own country and acting weak, and then you finally yeah. have a fight with your own American states, and you draw a line, and they cross the line, and nothing happens. He has confirmed for the entire world that he is an, he's an empty suit. It's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Unwrapping the news so you don't have to. Back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, the poll on X today, should the law require your kids to be taught about lesbian, bisexual, gay, and transgender history? That is the essence of Senate Bill 5462 before the Washington legislature. They want to actually write it into law that that has to be taught. Now, on that subject, and before I get back to your phone calls, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Clackamas County Commissioner Ben West, who has now... Now, I think we can say, it's fair to say, isn't it, Ben, that you have helped to kill DEI in Clackamas County. Lars, I campaigned on it. I promised to do it. Um, and it started last late spring, May. And as of now, Clackamas County has dismantled its um, diversity, equity, and inclusion department. Now, I want you, I've, got, I've told my audience, they know my position on it, I think. Uh, if they've listened for the last 10 minutes. Um, but but was what's the reason that you think the DEI, number one, shouldn't be done, uh, and number two, should not be an entire department costing over almost a million dollars to the taxpayers of just one county? I think it's clear that DEI ideology is antithetical to um, classic liberal and American values. I think that my job as a local elected official is to ensure a good functioning local government and not ideology. Um, I think it's immoral to focus on people's immutable traits and not on who they are as an individual makes them unique as a person. And um, I wanted any distraction or anything that wasn't not only not just a distraction, but anything that didn't move that mission forward to a good functioning local government um, and anything that promoted a radical um, ideology or worldview um, needed to be defunded and needed to be dismantled. Um, and what's really great about this is um, I don't think we see conservatives, moderates, or Republicans deliver enough to their voters. Um, and I'm excited that uh, we in the Portland metro area uh, did deliver on something that I think is consequential. And um, I think it was the right moral thing to do, and I think it showed leadership. I, I, I think so, too. I agree with all that. I want to ask you this. How in the world did they expect to spend almost a million dollars in complying with this idea that you shouldn't hire people based on merit, you shouldn't hire people based on their quality, you know, their their talent qualities, but you should hire them based on diversity, equity, and inclusion. In other words, hire people to jobs based on their sexuality, their skin color, their national origin, where they went to church or didn't go to church. I mean, how is that ever going to benefit the taxpayers? Well, it doesn't. And what we actually found out as we started to dig in and see, like, what was this department actually really doing? Mostly it was like swag parties. Um, mostly it was fluff. Mostly it was promotion of using current methods of discrimination to heal past discrimination, uh, promotion of some really um, uh, 
ideological driven worldviews. But there are things as a county we have to do. Like there are things that were tasked to that department that were structurally important that, that weren't being done. Like we have certain reporting by law we have to do for Title II and Title VI. All of those things that were like functionally administratively important were just being ignored, but all of the um, promotion of this ideology was being elevated without actual real meaningful work being done. Um, and so we just needed to just restructure the whole thing. It just wasn't working. It wasn't um, even measuring or uh, mirroring, I think, the, the values within Clackamas County. So we just we just scrapped it. Now, what happened to the department? Did you did you send these people down the road, or are they going to be placed somewhere else in government where they can continue to push their ideology? Well, what you what you find out is when you start to lead and you start to change a culture within an organization, some people decide to um, to move on on their own, Good. Uh, and they decide to look elsewhere. They self eliminate um, and go somewhere else, and that's okay, right? Like um, uh, they have the right to do that, and we God bless them and go go forward. So. Uh, but for us, um, we made sure that we take uh, one of the positions to focus on that reporting process, like restructuring it within like HR specifically. Um, so we, I think there is a position to make sure that those required federal um, nuts and bolts things are being done. But no longer are we going to see promotion of this um, worldview throughout the county. That's just not yeah. happening. We, we don't have the we don't the FTEs are, and the, and the staff are no longer there. Ben, while DEI was in operation, do you think that it managed to get people hired to any important, I mean, not even, I, I think every job that the county should be doing is an important job. Plowing snow in a snowstorm is important. Making sure the roads are fixed is important. Were any jobs filled by people who weren't qualified, to, they weren't hired based on the merits, but they were hired based on them fitting some ideological view? Uh, is there any damage there that needs to be repaired? I dug into that and I asked that exact same question with um, management or administrator, and no, I have I can't see any evidence of that. Okay. But I mean, recently we have made some um, significant managerial changes. The administrator decided to um, look for some other directors that maybe could do the job better, and we needed to have an improvement, and they weren't doing the work necessary to the quality in which we expect in Clackamas County. So we're always looking to find great talent and then hire, bring the best talent we can into Clackamas County because that's one of the reasons why we function so much better than our neighbors to the north. I know you might not agree with me on this, but I, I mean, I've gone by the adage that go woke, go broke, that when you decide to follow these, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, all that nonsense, you end up running companies broke. Or I would point out, I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that Boeing is one of those giant companies that fully embraced equity and inclusion. In fact, they called it global equity and inclusion. And now they have airplanes that are falling apart and falling out of the sky. And I, th I, I think there's a connection, maybe not a direct connection, but, you know, there are lots of companies like Target, Anheuser-Busch, and then, of course, Sports Illustrated, which managed to make itself go out of business, uh, apparently solely on the basis of some crazy decisions they made about the swimsuit edition, saying, what if we put a plus-size swimsuit model on the front? What if we put a transgender man on the front of the magazine? That's going to go over well with our audience. You know, a week ago Friday, they fired everybody at the operation and shut the whole thing down. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, we've seen all those examples you've listed. We've seen Disney even lose billions. But let's look on a local level. We talked about this earlier this week about 
government having the talent and the and the expertise to respond to an emergency. Yep. Coin Six did a um, compare and contrast yesterday between Clackamas County and Multnomah County. We were beyond competent and exceeded all expectations. Didn't need the governor's assistance when everybody else was calling for an emergency. We created a plan. We implemented that plan, and we excelled to where we had objective failure for the basic op- obligations of government out of Multnomah County. Right? We don't focus on the same type of worldview and look at how we should be running local government in the same way that Multnomah County does. When you have bold leaders that are willing to like hold firm to the worldview that works for government, you get better outcomes, and we've proven that to be objectively true. And Disney's now learning the same thing. And and by the way, Multnomah County and both Multnomah County and the city of Portland full-on embracing DEI, and what happens? They have to come out and do a mea culpa and say, we'll try better during the next snowstorm, whatever that happens to be. You know, when you've got people without power for a dozen days and you've got massive damage and people in in a lot of real peril and the city and county can't get the job done, I think the DEI connection is there. Yeah, because you just you just look at the outcomes, and they're supposedly doing the DEI work um, and this divisive um, ideology to support those that are supposedly the most vulnerable or that need to be pandered to or whatever they're doing. And they're more ideologically driven than results driven. And so when you look at what happens, um, you can see what the outcome is over time. That, and this impacts people's lives every single day. We're the government closest to the people. We're the most accountable to the people. And you can, you're going to feel that governance the most if that government next to you isn't working well and so it's not working well in Multnomah County but it is in Clackamas. I gotta tell you Ben anytime you're hiring people based on what's between their legs or the color of their skin instead of what's between their ears the outcome is not likely to be good that is Clackamas County Commissioner Ben West who helped to dismantle diversity, equity and inclusion save the taxpayers a million bucks and by not hiring on well, skin color and race and sexuality and hiring on merit as well, you can't even calculate those savings. Coming up in a moment, your phone calls and emails. It's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. This week, the Murph with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all the capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Do you realize you can literally have Lars with you all day, every day? Podcasts at Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and live right now. What a time to be alive. Here's Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. It's a pleasure to be with you. i got to share a couple of emails with you. Murph writes in, Lars, 
Boasting about the current graduation rate of Oregon public schools is akin to raising the speed limit to 100 miles an hour and then celebrating a reduction in speeding tickets. What a joke. It doesn't make sense. And then this one from Michael, who's a skeptic, and that's that's okay. You can be skeptical. I, I, I don't care. That's all right. Lawrence, does anybody think these illegals will voluntarily leave America when their asylum claim is denied? No, they're going to take up arms and join with the likes of Antifa and BLM to riot, loot, and cause chaos and destruction across our country. Let me give you a fantastic example of that before I go to calls. Uh, Joel, do we have that sound bite? Of uh, it's the heckler heckling Nancy Pelosi in Seattle. So Nancy Pelosi shows up in Seattle. I guess her one you know claim to fame these days, since she's former House Speaker, is to run around the country raising money for political you know for the Democrats. And she shows up in Seattle, and a heckler shows up to just give her heck from the audience. Take a listen to what was said. Nancy Pelosi, you are complicit in the Israeli crime and genocide. I'm an Iraqi refugee, and I watch your government, you represent, kill a million of my people. You killed 70,000 Afghans, and now over 30,000 Palestinians have died due to your complicity. We demand an end to the Zionist occupation of Palestine. Now, i got to tell you something about this liberal network. She's an Iraqi. She shouts at She's an Iraqi refugee. So she fled from the Middle East. Now, why do you flee from Iraq? Because it's run by a bunch of bad people. And there's crime, there's violence, there's terrorism on the ground. So she flees to the United States and then says it's the U.S. fault because we're backing the idea that Israel can go after the terrorists when, in fact, the terrorists are what you were fleeing when you left Iraq yourself and claimed to be a refugee to come to America. And now you want to stop the people attacked by terrorists from going out and exterminating the terrorists. If any liberal naysayer can, you know, tell me, sort that one out for me, help me understand. You fled the Middle East, which is full of terrorism, to come to a country that isn't yet full of terrorism, although Joe Biden could make that change with an open border. And now you're complaining because the U.S. backs the elimination of terrorists and you're complaining from a position of safety. Great. You need double standards. You'd have none at all. This segment of the show is brought to you by the home power generating folks at ProTech Power. Think about all those outages recently. Make sure your loved ones are safe. When the power goes out, call 541-ONE-AGEN. That's 541-ONE-AGEN. Let's go to Bob, listening on the Radio Northwest Network and KBND. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind on a First Amendment Friday? Well, I was listening to you talk a little bit a while ago with the guy from uh, the other county, and they were talking about DEI. I'm yep. going to say, all I want to say is this, Lars. DEI should be changed to D-I-E, because so that's what will happen when you adopt these stupid policies. That's very clever. Bob, can I ask you a question? You live in Certainly. Deschutes County, right? Yes, yes, sir. Would, would you think I'd be right if I were to make an educated guess that both Deschutes County and the city of Bend that you live in have both adopted diversity, equity, and inclusion? Absolutely, but it doesn't do any good to go down there and raise hell. <laughs> I think it would. Bob, look, you know, Ben, you know, Ben West is a county commissioner. He's got a little more pull. 
But some of this is because the people of Clackamas County said, we're not going to tolerate this nonsense. If he didn't have the support of a majority of people in that county, he wouldn't have got four out of five votes. I think it was that may have been five out of five votes to get rid of it. So I would encourage you, get 50 people to go together to a county commission meeting or a Bend City Council meeting, and what do you suppose would happen if 50 people showed up and made a really calm, cogent, polite argument, tell us what good it does to hire people based on their skin color and what's between their legs instead of their skills and capabilities. And if you demanded that and then go back the next week and do it again, tell me how long the Bend City Council or Deschutes County Commission could ignore you. They will not ignore us very long, Lord. That, that's right, and that's why you have to get down and do the do, do the hard work. Ben West didn't get this in five minutes. And if everybody in every single county, especially those you know in Washington State, outside of King County, you'll probably have more luck than inside of King County. But even inside of King County, you should be able to say, how is it fair to hire somebody based on the color of their skin? America used to see that done in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And we said that ain't right. Well, we need to do it again. Let's go to Don. Hey, Don, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Good afternoon, sir. Uh, Lori's email at the top of the hour was uh, outstanding. Yep, it was. She, she pretty much hit what I was going to say. To the veterans out there, I want to let them know, my fellow veterans, that the illegals are now using our community care. Uh, also, I think the it, VA is going along with that too. By the way, they're they're helping yeah. out the uh, they're helping out the illegals with resources that should be spent on veterans. Absolutely, and uh, I believe uh, come election time, just like they did in 2020, they're going to throw the switch, and there's going to be. Uh, riots, violence, uh, using a lot of these Chinese illegals and all that stuff. And I believe they're going to declare martial law and there won't be an election. Well, I'll tell you what, if Joe Biden tries that, he will have a civil war on his hands. To take away the rights of the American people by military force, dead wrong. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Are you ready? Welcome 
to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog face pony soul. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank you, speakers. Thank you, it's Friday. Happy Friday. This is First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I got to tell you something. Two confessions. One, I never really took part in profession in uh, sports in high school. In junior high, I swam for a while, but that was it. So I don't have any great knowledge there. Uh, the second one is that I'm very concerned. I mean, for several years. I've been saying, what are they going to do when you have biological males, boys, competing against girls, especially in high school, but even in college as well? I said, the boys are going to win most of those competitions. It's not going to work out well for the girls. And I've been wondering, when are we going to see both athletes stand up and object? We've got a few of those these days, but it takes a lot of guts, and you make a lot of sacrifices if you decide to do that. You may lose your college scholarship. You may lose your place on the team. How about coaches and school board members? And up until now, there have been too many coaches in all of America that stood up as coaches of young ladies and said, if you have young ladies competing against young men who are now identifying as girls, it's not going to end well for the girls. And now we've got Coach Dave Brown, who joins me now, who's a longtime coach, a high school girls tennis coach, and he decided to quit about a week ago. Coach Brown, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great, Lars. Thanks for having me on. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm glad to have you on. But tell my audience why you figure that the, t the current Title IX policy, the way it uh, was being done at the high school you were at, Canby High School, and at many schools around America, is actually, instead of benefiting young ladies or giving them a level playing field, it's actually working against them. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, the Oregon Department of Education and the Oregon State Athletic Association demanded all their member schools um, follow their guidelines, and that's allowing boys, which they'll say transgender, that are, uh, um, you know, moving in a different direction to play in girls' sports and vice versa, but it's mostly boys playing girls' sports. And after being a basketball and a tennis coach my whole life for boys, last four years coaching girls, uh, varsity tennis. My wife is a, uh, there with me, head JV coach. You get a whole different perspective. Girls' sports are, are a lot similar, but they're very different. And my wife grew up in the 70s playing high school sports at Tigard High School, and, and she was part of that whole Title IX movement where it was awesome. You know, women and girls got the opportunity to have their own, their own sports, and that's been taken away. And you know, I just I looked at the whole thing, and each year, Lars, I have to take tests for concussion protocol, heat exhaustion, sex abuse, all these tests that you're required by the OSAA, Oregon State Athletic Association. And I, I was looking at them this year, and I'm like, no. I, I can't sit by and say I'm going to keep every kid safe, and then I go along with this uh, terrible, terrible policy they have now. And it's coming, it's coming from the Oregon Department of Education. And, had, uh, you run into any, had you run into any actual examples of young men, boys, uh, saying, I now identify as female, I want to play as a female? Uh, has that, had that come to you yet, or, or, you, or just that you knew it was, coming, it was going that direction? No, it, it came last year during the state tennis tournament, and it happened with a, a young man who, who played fall uh, 
sport, uh, in cross-country boys. And then he moved over to girls tennis in the spring. And then in this fall, as a sophomore, moved back to the boys cross-country again. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really bigger issue than, uh, just saying sports because these kids are trying to transition, which is going to take many years of their lives, but it won't happen during their high school times. And we're still allowing boys to play girls sports. These are boys and people want to say that they are a girl and they're not. Um, and I know that's a big argument right now, but, um, it's just, we're lying to that boy and we're not protecting every single girl. And I couldn't look 45 girls in the eye and say, I'm protecting you when I'm not, I'm not abiding by, uh, what I believe in. And that's that, uh, sports are one of the most amazing things I've ever gotten to do, coach, play, but boys have their sports, girls have their sports, end of story. And why we've decided to get to this point, Lars, is it's really sad for girls' sports. And as hard as it is to let go of, of coaching, I've always believed that I'm never going to lie to a kid and I'm going to do the right thing. And I, I can't abide by OSA's rule anymore. And, and again, it's the Oregon Department of Education that's forcing their hand on this. And then in each school, has to put up with it. And it doesn't happen in every sport. You know, it, it happens, uh, uh, in certain, you know, sports a little bit more than others, but tennis happens to be one of those, but it's just wrong. Well, let me ask you this as a coach and you've coached boys in basketball, girls in, in tennis. If a, an average men's player, boys player, uh, were to play as a girl, how would that competition go? Would the, would the girl win some of the time or would the girl probably in many cases, lose to somebody who's perhaps taller, stronger, has more reach, has more, you know, can, can swing the racket harder. Is that, is that, is this ever going to work out reasonably well for young ladies playing against biological males? No. And I, I think what, what's sad about it is, is we should never even be having that discussion. Um, my wife loved having her opportunity to play, you know, girls, women's sports and, uh, yeah, girls aren't going to be as big as fast and strong. Girls also have their amazing strengths. You know, I learned the last four years that they have the ability to focus up and listen better and be, be right there. And, 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 and they're great to coach. Awesome. And, and boys, you know, could be bigger, faster, stronger. There's some amazing, you know, girl, women's athletes out there. Um, but I think that we're, you know, again, we're putting girls arms away and it goes into the locker room. This is even sadder. It's going well, that's, into the locker room where coach, just so you know, I was I was leaving the locker room issues for last. I mean, it's a significant issue. This invades their privacy, right. doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like to uh, to be in a locker room. It, it was hard enough when I grew up in the in the seventies to 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 just be in there with a bunch of people. Uh, you know, crazy stuff happens when teachers turn their heads, and and now you know for. Uh, for high school girls to have to be in there with any type of male, whether they say they're a boy or a girl. I mean, it, it, the girls know they're not a boy or a girl. They, they know that they're a boy. And and, and uh, whether that boy has good intentions or bad intentions, who knows that? But uh, we, we've allowed this to happen to this point where girls are literally uh, being put in a super uncomfortable position. They should never be put there. And as adults, we're supposed to be protecting these kids, Lars, and as a, as a, as a teacher, a coach, an administrator, uh, our number one job should be their safety. The sports should be secondary. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, coach Brown, last quick question. 
Do the other coaches agree with you or agree with the policy, and they're just going along with the policy because they want to keep their job? Well, that's a great question, Lars. We could spend two hours on this one, but I will tell you, in, in Oregon schools, and I've heard this from other places around the country, in public schools, if you stand up and say anything, you're going to get just lit up. And so there's a lot of great teachers, a lot of great coaches out there who I don't, I know they don't agree with this, but if you say something, uh, even if you're a principal or a superintendent, you're going to lose out because ODE uh, is going to put you in your place. Absolutely. That's Coach Dave Brown. You can find him at Stan Paul on his social media and his podcast. That's Coach Dave Brown. Quit his job a week ago. Once what's best for the girls, that's not what we're delivering. You've got the Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. He's up before you are, weeding out the right from the wrong. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Well, you know that there is a double standard in American justice, and there are lots and lots of examples of it, but I want to bring your attention to one in particular that involves a fairly serious crime for which this guy could have gone to federal prison for a long, long time because it involved the theft and then later the making public of tax records. But let me get into the details of that in a moment. If you want to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, and it's that way every day of the week, but on First Amendment Fridays, we open up the phone lines, and if you want to sound off, it's 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, you disagree with my point of view, a long time ago, more than a quarter century ago, we said, hey, let's put the naysayers up first. If they got a good argument, they'll do well. If they have a flabby argument, they're not going to do very well at all. But you're welcome, and you'll go right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. You can send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. You can also vote in our X poll, used to be called the Twitter poll. Find it on X, at Lars Larson Show. Brand new question every single day. So, I'd ask you this. Do Americans endorse the idea that there should be a Department of Justice double standard? One in which... If you're a conservative and you cross the line of the law and you break the law, that you get very harsh punishment. And if you're on the left, if you're a political liberal, a member of the Democrat Party, or say the son of the president of the United States, Hunter Biden, you get almost no punishment at all. Now, I know that some of you 
have heard about some of these cases. Uh, one of them just this week, Peter Navarro, uh, worked in the Trump administration. He was found in contempt of Congress. Now, there have been a bunch of people who've been found in contempt of Congress, uh, including Eric Holder, the former attorney general, Alejandro Mayorkas, um, and they get no punishment at all. What did Peter Navarro get? Four months in jail for contempt of Congress because the congressional investigation into January 6th, the uh, Capitol riot, uh, the, the Democrats engineered a committee. They said, we're going to have a committee. It's going to have half of it will be Democrats. And the other half will be Republicans, but chosen by the Democrats. And if you say, well, that doesn't sound right. And you say, no, it's not right. In fact, Congress in its entire history up to the J6 committee had never, ever done that. They'd said Democrats can pick their members of the committee. Republicans can pick their own favorites to be on the committee. The people they think ask best questions. But let me tell you about Charles Edward Littlejohn. Interesting name. He's a guy who's a criminal. And what did he do? He stole the confidential tax records of 7,500 wealthy Americans. And uh, Donald Trump was one of them. And you say, well, 7,500 instances, why that would add up to quite a jail sentence. I think it actually added up to hundreds of years. And what happened was he pleaded guilty to one single charge where there were 7,500 victims. And by the way, um, in this case, the DOJ actually went out and asked for permission uh, online. Uh, there were so many victims, they had to actually ask all of them by going online. And so you've got Donald Trump, who's on, on trial for in four separate cases, one in New York, one in Georgia, one in Florida, one in Washington, D.C., and they seem to be pursuing every possible charge against him. You've also got the backdrop of a lot of the J6 defendants who are also uh, people who, in many cases, uh, went into a building, the, you know, the, the Capitol building, uh, illegally. And, uh, and you think, well, you get a ticket for that, right? You pay a fine. You get yelled at by a judge. No, no, you get, in some cases, years in prison. Because the Democrats said, why, this was like Pearl Harbor. It was one of the most uh, most dangerous things that ever happened. Why members of Congress were in danger. None of that is actually true. Joe Biden himself told lies about January 6th. He said there were five cops murdered on January 6th. There were no cops murdered on January 6th or 7th or 8th. Uh, all of this, and this guy, Charles Edward Littlejohn, his attorneys went into court and they said, you've got to go easy on this because he leaked the information to reputable news organizations like the New York Times and ProPublica. Now, there have been times I've wanted to get a hold of somebody's tax records. I have never gotten a hold of them illegally. I would go through legal means. If you find somebody's taxes have been filed in a civil case at some point and it's part of the public record, you can do that. But now this guy, because he leaked to two notoriously liberal news organizations, the New York Times and ProPublica, they say, well, we're going to go easy on him. He's going to be sentenced. He hasn't been sentenced yet. But when he is sentenced, he is likely to get almost no punishment whatsoever. And by the way, the New York Times and ProPublica that received these stolen documents, I mean, these are two publications that will lecture you all day long and twice on Sunday about people who receive stolen information. 
Have they returned all of this tax information? The answer is no. Now, I understand everybody's curious about everybody else's taxes, and especially those people who are celebrities or people in politics. But one of the things that Americans enjoy, perhaps without even recognizing it or realizing how important it is, in America, your tax business is between you and the IRS. The IRS has a right to ask you for certain documents, that you file certain forms, and uh, you have a right to understand that that information is your private information. It is the government's job to actually protect it. And here's one of the things that uh, the defense attorneys, when they were pleading for you know some leniency for Mr. Little John, they said that a New York Times reporter had actually said, look, I want you to go out and get this information, quote, because a certain person will not disclose information that people absolutely need to see and have for decades. I appreciate that you share this concern. He was talking about Donald Trump. Now, think about that. I understand there were people who said, we want Donald Trump to release his tax returns. He said, look, I'm under audit by the IRS. When that's over and those issues are solved, I'll release my tax information. Even when they leaked his tax information, I know that there were people who thought, well, we're going to find out all kinds of things about President Trump when we see his taxes. Do you know, since they've been released, have you heard anybody talking about all the amazing stuff they found in Donald Trump's tax returns? If the answer is no, you'd be right. Because they didn't find amazing stuff in his tax returns. They found out he's a very wealthy guy. He owns a lot of properties. He owns a lot of stuff and he makes a lot of money. And he pays his taxes. And if the IRS, especially under the Biden administration, if the IRS thought that they could bring charges against Donald Trump, do you think that the Joe Biden IRS would hesitate to do that? I mean, the IRS has been used as a political weapon by the likes of Hillary Clinton, by the likes of Barack Hussein Obama. It's been used as a weapon. If they thought they could go after Trump and say he cheated on his taxes, and in fact, I remember one time during the debates between Hillary Clinton and and uh, and and Donald Trump, it was demanded of him by a reporter, "Why you used all these deductions to save taxes?" Yep, said Donald Trump, and so did all of her donors. And she was in the U.S. Senate. She could have said, "Let's get rid of all these tax deductions." Do you know why Hillary didn't? Because she knew that her biggest supporters were using those tax deductions, too. It's First Amendment Friday. Your calls are welcome. 866-439-5277. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Whenever you want it, get the podcast all day, every day at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails. I'd ask you to remember that on Joe Biden's first day in office, he bragged that he would shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, that he would do everything he could to shut down America's energy industry, and he's done as much as he possibly can. I'd also remind you that a few months earlier, in late 2020, in the presidential debates, he was asked by a reporter, are you ready to get rid of America's fossil fuel business, even if you know it's going to cost 400,000 American jobs? He said, absolutely, I am. Now, consider all that 
because now it looks like Joe Biden's energy policies are going to cost him big time in the 2024 election. And Larry Barron's joins me now with a group called Power of the Future. Larry, welcome back to the program. Hey, Lars. So great to talk with you. Thank you, sir. So if anything I just said uh, you disagree with, please tell my audience why. And if not, tell me. Tell me, what do you think is going to happen now that Joe Biden's own energy policies are coming back to bite him in the backside in terms of electoral support? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right in, in every possible way. You know, we have been for three years on this trial subscription of the Green New Deal, and the American voters have had enough of it. You know, and one of the, I mean, we know that just in his approval ratings, right? But another way that we know it is Hispanic Americans were a key supporter for Joe Biden in 2020. And so we looked at an energy state that is deep blue of New Mexico, and we said, how do you feel about Joe Biden now? And he is completely underwater with Hispanic Americans in the nation's most Hispanic per capita state, and to the tune of double-digit points. And so his support there has absolutely eroded. It is a key group, and his embrace of the Green Agenda is a huge reason why, because we are paying more for everything. And is, is Biden now going to try to somehow shift his position or make people believe he shifted his position to correct that uh, because whether he ends up as the candidate there are plenty of theories that he's going to step aside at the last minute and they'll sneak in somebody like that you know like gretchen whitmer from michigan or somebody else to take his place but if he does they're still going to own most of the you know the campaigning of joe biden is he going to try to convince americans he's really not en- uh, anti-energy yeah that's a, a great question and and i i I'm going to sit on the fence about it because I'll tell you why. Uh On one hand, we've seen a lot of that. We've seen that he's deflected. We say, you caused the highest gas prices ever. Well, no, that was Putin. And so we see that he's trying to deflect, which would lead me to believe, well, he's going to continue to do that. He's going to try to deceive us into not believing our own lying eyes, our own lying wallets. However, then we see, like today, where he just strikes a huge blow. uh, Near the third anniversary of the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline, he cancels major natural gas projects. LNG. Uh, yeah, LNG. You know, you know, Larry. I wanted to bring. I wanted to bring that up next because because this one really belies any kind of common sense at all. Because if you say we want to be greener, but we also want the rest of the world to be greener. Oh, okay. Well, America has. I think I looked it up a couple of days ago. Thirty-four trillion cubic feet of proven natural gas reserves. So, by all estimates, we've got about a hundred years worth of natural gas. And you say, well, you have enough that you could sell to the rest of the world. Yeah, we could. And what would happen? In most cases, the people buying it would be replacing coal and oil with natural gas, which is tremendously cleaner than than coal and oil. And you say, so that would green up the earth. Yeah, it would also make a lot of jobs and a lot of money in the United States and pay a lot of taxes to the government. I mean, good for almost everybody. And what does the Biden administration do say? It would help the environment. It would create jobs. It would give us a foreign policy club of some kind to say, you don't have to buy from Putin or the Middle East. You can buy from us. And he says, let's cancel it. How does that make sense? Yeah, it's such a, a great point. And, and to buffer that, this is the guy who has begged for billions and billions of our grandchildren money so that he can send it to Ukraine. He'll send our missiles to Ukraine, but I guess our natural gas is something he doesn't want to be sending there. And so it strengthens Vladimir Putin. But to answer your question more directly, it's because his 
Environmental special interest friends have such a stranglehold on the White House that he has to abandon any shred of common sense. And, oh, to help, the, you know, pad it, they'll also, you know, he's really desperate for campaign dollars from the environmental world coming up to get reelected. And so he has to keep them happy, which means abandoning common sense. And if you look at the states that are the biggest natural gas producers, what's number one? Number one is Texas. So how, why would Joe Biden want to get back at Texas right now? I can't think of a reason. Oh, except for they're highlighting probably what is the biggest failure of his presidency. And that's a distinction because there's lots of failures. Well, and then, and then there's generically that Texas is a red state. And then that, you know, also all the other oil producing states tend to be the red states. Uh, and, and the places we could produce oil and natural gas, like California, they've forbidden, you know, new drilling and all the rest of this. And, and, and I guess, Larry, Will the Republicans be capable of actually communicating this? I mean, I think Trump's done a good job of saying, I'm going to reach out to the auto workers because Joe wants to put them all out of business with EVs because EVs yep. don't need near as much labor. But if he goes out and says, hey, when Joe says you can't have these LNG export facilities, who do you think was going to build those massive multi-billion dollar LNG export ports? Well, that would be unionized labor. And who would be operating the ports? Well, that would be unionized labor. So Joe Biden is sticking it to the unions all day long. He absolutely is. And, you know, we talked earlier about a blue state. Let me mention another one. Pennsylvania. Behind Texas, Pennsylvania is the biggest producer. Over 20% of the nation's natural gas comes from Pennsylvania. Where are Pennsylvania's two senators? <laughs> on today's decision, where are they're they're strangely quiet? Are they not? I mean, that is four hundred thousand jobs in just Pennsylvania alone. It is a massive boon to their economy. And Joe Biden just says, "I'm going to cut it off so that I can please the radical eco left." And so you see the devastating impacts not only in red states but in blue states. And that's why we're seeing the the support just erode everywhere because we're seeing the results of the Green New Deal. And, you know, we've paid more out of the pocket in this Joe Biden Green New Deal tax in terms of looking at what's in our grocery cart, looking at what's in our gas tank, and looking at what we pay for everything. I almost wish every time, to your point, how do you communicate it? I'd say every time you get your electric bill, consider that something from a Joe Biden, I did that sticker. Every time you pay for groceries, get a Joe Biden, I did that sticker. Because you're paying more for all those things because Joe Biden did that. Well, and, and what's what's craziest about this is all these energy pieces go into every single thing. I mean, people think of it primarily as keeping the lights turned on. But the, those energy pieces, all of it, natural gas and oil, uh, all go in and electricity, which is mostly produced with fossil fuels right now, goes into producing food. You can't grow food, you can't harvest food, you can't process food, and you can't have food show up at your local grocery store without a whole bunch of energy, almost all of it natural gas and oil. And so these people want to cut our throats. And even if they believed, look, we're going to transition as, you know, sooner or later to some other form of energy. Okay, fine. I'm sure we will. We went from whale oil to oil out of the ground. We went from, you know, wood to other things. We've transitioned the entire history of humanity. We'll do it again. But if you force it all at, all at once and you say, let's use the expensive stuff instead of the stuff that's reasonably priced, you still need those other fuels to keep you through the transition period. And Joe Biden apparently wants us to all I guess, freeze to death in the dark. That's Larry Behrens. He is with the group called Power of the Future. Larry, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Have a wonderful weekend.
If you want to join what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, it's always right here at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. If you're a naysayer, we'll put you right to the head of the line. We've always done it. We always will. If you want to send an email, talk at LarsLarson.com. You can also vote in our poll on X. It used to be called Twitter. Now it's X. You'll find that at Lars Larson Show. And you can check out our Instagram feed. All the other social media we put up, every single interview on the program is free of charge. You'll find it at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. To all the wokey snowflakes, yes, you are probably going to be offended. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Well, a court has now ordered Donald Trump to pay $83 million to E. Jean Carroll. She claims $13 million in direct damages because of things that Trump had to say about her. Uh, he said at one point he didn't even know her, but uh, Donald Trump defended himself. He obviously got very angry during closing arguments, I actually stormed out of the courtroom. But the $83 million verdict, I have no I have no doubt that it's going to be appealed and in almost all cases probably knocked down. I would hope to almost nothing because I don't think she's owed a dime. There is, uh, but, but I do want to not let this opportunity go by to remind you about an important historical event that most people can still quote today, 26 years later it was January the 26th, 1998, when this man said this. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. Thank you. January 26, 1998, uh, Billy Clinton, the horny hick from Arkansas. To your calls now. Let's go to John. Hey, John, you heard me talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. One Oregon county has had the guts to actually say we're doing away with that whole stupid department and we're going to save a million dollars and we're going to stop telling county departments they should hire people based on their personal characteristics like sexuality or skin color and hire them on merit instead. 
What do you want to say about that? Well, I think you're being kind of short-sighted on that. I, I would like to see maybe, uh, I'd like to see DEI surgeons and medical staff put into uh, OHSU. They might take care of some of the issues for people that believe so strongly in that kind of philosophy. <laughs> yeah, Maybe they could get jobs at Alaska Airlines because, you know, I checked their website. Alaska Airlines says it subscribes to global equity and inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and maybe we're seeing the results of that. You know, when, when you say we're going to hire people uh, to, to work there, so Boeing subscribes to DEI, Alaska subscribes to yeah. DEI, and, uh, and, it, and, it, and it seems to be working anyway, also, famously. Also, also on that last uh, uh, guest you had on, is he doing anything to prepare for the global or the uh, solar minimum that's coming? Uh, are you talking about Larry Barron's from Power of the Future? Well, yeah, because you, you know there's a solar minimum that could lead to a nice age. Yep, I uh, do. No and and in that case, it. John, if you prepare for things, the way the left wants to prepare is to eliminate almost every current form of energy and, of course, the least expensive forms of energy and eliminate them. So we no longer produce natural gas, no longer produce coal. They want to get to a day where we no longer produce oil. We no longer produce uranium for nuclear energy. And we're entirely dependent on wind and solar. And you can imagine how well that might work out, even if we went into a little ice age or a tiny well, ice that's age. What the, solar, the solar minimum could bring a little ice yep. age. It doesn't sound like anything's preparing for it. And that scares me more than us going to a civil war. Well, we didn't get to this point. I mean, Larry Burns and I have talked over the years. Power of the future is in favor of all of the above. He wants to see us produce our own natural gas, oil, coal, nuclear, the whole Marianne. And if other alternatives can add to that, fine. So be it. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Most of them don't pencil out very well. And, John, have you noticed that in the Pacific Northwest, in Portland, for example, uh, right before the ice storm hit, so a few weeks ago, PGE had its rates increased by 17%. And that's bad enough, but if you go back to 2006 and you say, how much has power increased in cost since 2006? And the answer is, it's doubled. And you say it doubled in 18 years, and now it's going to go up 17% more? Well, that's because we're paying for having uh, coal plants and nuclear operations dismantled no the biggest reason we're paying for that is we're paying for all the new forms of power that are more expensive and eliminating the old forms like coal we could have run the boardman coal plant uh, for another 20 years centralia coal could have operated another 20 years that was cheap efficient on-demand energy and they said let's get rid of it and sure enough they did let's go to marvin hey marvin it's first amendment friday what's on your mind hey lars it's uh Marvin, you're a friendly uh, Uber driver, and I drive about a thousand miles a week. Uh, so I'm all electric, and it certainly pencils out. Um, it does. What kind I of electric car do you do you drive? I have the Volkswagen ID. Four. That's good. How much did it cost you? Thirty-nine thousand dollars. The how much yes, do you suppose it really costs? Because right now, Ford Motor Company estimates that every single EV it, it produces and sells actually costs $36,000 more than, than the car sold for. Did you know that? Hmm. I don't believe it. My, the dude you I don't believe it? Well, hold on, Marvin. <laughs> if you find inconvenient facts, do you just say, 
Anything inconvenient, I just don't believe it. Oh, I verified it. The, the fellow that sold me the car made $1,400 off my car. I'm not That's talking about how much the car salesman made. I'm saying oh. when the car companies make the cars, they're not reflecting the true cost. The government is telling them, make these things. And they say, well, we're not, they're not going to sell at twice the price. So they say, well, shift the price, shift the cost to somebody else. And what they do is they shift it to the gasoline cars, which means that somebody driving a gas or diesel rig actually paid for part of your car, which is why you thought it was such a smoking good bargain. Marvin, happy First Amendment Friday. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog face pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. This is... First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lawrence Larson Show. It is First Amendment Friday. It is my favorite day of the week because we open up the phone lines and every subject is fair game. And there's a lot to talk about today. You've got Texas in a standoff with Joe Biden and Joe Biden setting a deadline, which, by the way, passed a couple of hours ago and nothing much happened like a lot of things that Joe Biden does. Uh, I want to talk to our friend Todd Myers, who's the environmental director at the Washington Policy Center. And let's talk energy. Todd, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Should customers who are buying energy, which costs us all a lot of money, I know my natural gas bill, my electric bill are sizable enough, should we actually be able to get honest information about what's driving those costs? <laughs> it's sort of amazing, isn't it? Everybody takes it for granted with gasoline. I mean, most people can tell you what the price is for a gallon of gas almost down to the penny. But if you ask people what the cost, what they pay for a kilowatt hour of electricity, they they simply don't know, and the reason is is that they get a, a bill once a month, um, and they try to figure it out. And that actually helps politicians. Politicians can make a lot of bad policy, energy policy, because fundamentally people are not, they don't have the information they need to judge about what's happening and who's causing the problems. Politicians like that, and we need to change that. And, and what's great is is that we now have the technology to do that, for people to get the information about what the prices are, when the prices are expensive, when they're cheap, to save energy. And then the side effect is 
that it reduces the risks of blackouts because instead of people spending, you know, using a lot of electricity when electricity is expensive and when it's when there's a short supply, people can do simple things like drying their clothes later, pay less, reduce the risk of blackouts. So that kind of information not only is good for your pocketbook, it takes power back from politicians. Well, Todd, what is it, what should it tell us that, and I, I was kind of stunned by this during, I mean, even though we talk about this all the time, that during the weather, you know, the really bad weather about 10 days ago, uh, you had, uh, uh PSE, Puget Sound Energy, you had all these, uh, PGE, PPNL, all saying, hey, uh, cut back your use because, uh, we might run short. And I thought, <laughs> you, the two utilities in Oregon had tw- uh, 250,000 people who had no power at all. So I think, yeah. well, you got a lot of extra because you got 250,000 yeah. customers sitting in the dark. And some of them, I guess, were still in the dark this week. And I thought, you should be excess at this point. If you're telling us you're short when a quarter million of your customers can't even use your product, how short are we really? What should we read into that? Well, and, and there was a particular event that happened, uh, which added a little bit, which is, is that Puget Sound Energy has a natural gas distribution station that shut down for part of the day. But by the end of the day, it was back online. What didn't come back, though, was wind. Wind absolutely vanished and vanished for about a week, starting with that very cold weather. And so not only did you have a little bit for at least a day to make up uh, natural gas, but then you had to make up for wind day after day after day. So yes, it shows that we are close to the line. And, and a lot of people will say, well, yes, that's why we need to build more. We need to create more supply. Absolutely agree with that. But we shouldn't ignore the demand side, the demand part of it, because people are paying those higher rates, whether they know it or not. Right now, they don't pay necessarily higher rates during peak hours when it's most expensive, but they do at the end because their average rates go up. So what we should do is give people more control, more information, so they don't end up, you know, getting hit, socked months later because they weren't told that they should conserve uh, and do some easy things. And I'm not talking about turning your thermostat down to 55. I'm simply saying, you know, don't wash your, uh, don't dry your clothes at 6 p.m. Dry them earlier or later in the day when the prices are lower. Hey, thanks for not going all full on Jimmy Carter on me right there. But, <laughs> I like Todd, sweaters, but not that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know I, I'm dating myself, but Jimmy Carter back when I was in, uh, I think, high school, uh, Jimmy Carter was out there saying, telling people, well, we don't have an energy crisis. You just need to turn the thermostat down and put yeah. on a sweater. And I think he actually sat in his chair in Plains, Georgia or something and wore a sweater. I want to tell you something. I always tell my audience if I, you know, have a bias in favor of something, I'm going to argue against my own interests and I'm going to argue against something I actually like. And I'm going to ask you why all these greenie types have not completely done away with, uh, what's it called? Bill averaging. I mean, I, look, I'm signed up for it, Todd. My natural gas bill, same all year long. Why? Because you tell the gas company or the electric utility, you say, I just want to pay the same month because because it's predictable. It means you don't have a tiny bill in July and a gigantic bill in January. And so they just figure out what you're going to use during an average year. They divide by 12 and they send you the same bill. And then if at the end of the year you're either high or low, you either get a refund or they charge you a little bit more. But I've always looked at that and thought, if you want people to save money, I mean, getting that $300 electric bill in January usually causes people to have at least some reaction by saying, we're using too much electricity. And they run around frantically turning around, uh, turning off lights. And when you get the tiny bill in July, you don't even notice. So 
why do they allow that averaging if their goal is to get people to use less wouldn't the wouldn't they incentivize people to use less by saying no you're going to pay in in january if you don't want a gigantic bill don't use as much if that was really what they were after i think some of them do want to do that but the other thing is is that like i said transparency works against uh you know sort of political schemes and what you know, a lot of politicians want to do is they want to impose their view of the energy system and they don't want you to notice. And so that's why in Washington state, when the tax on CO2 emissions started driving gas prices up, you know, uh, Jay Inslee and others blamed the oil companies, everyone else, because the, the costs, right, the chickens came home to roost. They didn't like that. And so I think there's a lot of things that they do where they where they want to hide the cost of their policies until it's too late. So I think that they, you know, there's part of them that does what you want, but there's also part of them that enjoys not being held accountable for their bad policies. And by the way, my friend John Lee sent me a copy of or a picture of his natural gas bill. Do you think many people have noticed at least in his bill and he said, I got $142 worth of uh, natural gas and then they put like 40 or $50 of Climate Commitment Act on it. But at least Northwest Natural broke out that cost. They didn't put Jay Inslee carbon tax, which I would have loved, they, but they did call it the Climate <laughs> Commitment Act and they're breaking it out so people can see. You mean, you know, that big a chunk of my entire gas bill is just taxes on the energy? It's remarkable, and that transparency tells people, like, here's why your bill is going up. And, in fact, uh, just two days ago, I testified on a bill before the legislature that would require utilities to list um, extra charges, those extra charges from the Climate Commitment Act, from the CO2 tax, on utility bills. So I think there needs to be more transparency so that we get people like your friend recognizing what's going on. Absolutely. That's Todd Myers. Todd, thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Todd is environmental director of the Washington Policy Center. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. In a moment, I want to get your phone calls, your emails, and get this. Joe Biden has finally found a way to reunify America. I'll tell you what he's doing, and that's coming up next. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. Hey. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours.
Visit 1031exchange.com. This is the Lars Larson Show. Ladies and gentlemen, no great country can say it is secure without being able to control its borders. Wow, I know that you're saying to yourself, that sounds a lot like Joe Biden, except it doesn't at all sound like anything that Joe Biden would say today. And you'd be absolutely right in both counts. Because that was Joe Biden in 2007. So we're only talking about, what, 17 years ago. Joe Biden, then a senator, said, ladies and gentlemen, no country can be a country without secure borders. And he said, hold on, that's the same Joe Biden who's now thrown our southern border wide open to such an extent that 10 million illegal aliens have come in. And he followed immediately after a president who managed to bring about the lowest level of illegal entry to the United States in modern American history, you'd be right in both cases. In fact, it was an entirely different Joe Biden because I think Joe Biden lives by one rule, and that is say to the public whatever works out best for the Biden crime family. So I'm going to tell you this. You all say, I mean, I have a number of people who say, you know, Lars, you never have anything good to say about President Biden. I'll tell you what. I will say something good about him today. Joe Biden has found a way to reunify America. And the simple way to do it, if you're president of the United States and everything is falling apart, you're in foreign wars, you've had a disastrous and deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan, you're not in good shape with anybody, not with Russia, not with Ukraine, not with China, not with anybody. Your own economy is falling apart. Groceries are crazy expensive. Gas is crazy expensive. Nobody can afford the interest rates to buy a house. What are you going to do to reunify America, Joe? stage an invasion of the country and then get into a major fight with the state of Texas, which Joe Biden is in a fight with the state of Texas right now. And he's thrown down the gauntlet. He said, within 24 hours, you have to do this, Texas. You got to get out of the way so our border patrol can go into their concierge mode and start welcoming illegal aliens again. And you know what Texas did? They gave the uh, I guess the governmental equivalent of the big middle finger to Joe Biden. They said, no, we're not going to do it. And 25 other states in America have also stood up and said, Joe, we stand with Texas, not with you. So in a lot of ways, Joe Biden has unified a tremendous number of Americans. But I want to remind you of some of the things that Joe Biden used to say about what he would do about illegal aliens, about borders, about security, about all of those things. First of all, he said, we're going to go after the employers who use these illegal aliens. Take a listen. Can you scare an employer in this country, whether he's an agricultural worker or a housewife, into not hiring an illegal because the punishment's so high that if you get caught, yes. it's a huge embarrassment to your family, and you may just hit a, get hit with a fine that'll kill you. Yeah, absolutely, you, you can, can do and that's what we should do. Well, I think we should do that. I think we should do that. Well, what's he doing now? He's inviting people in most of whom, millions of whom, have no right to work in this country at all. Which means there are really two possibilities. If you have 10 million people come in, and you have about 500,000 of them who've been given work permits for no good reason, that Joe, Joe Biden did that, and then the other 9.5 million have no way to make a living, 
You have two choices. Either hand them welfare and food stamps and subsidized housing and health care or let them work illegally. So Joe Biden's not going to do that. And then take a listen to this. This is from 2006. You find this really instructive when you look at what this guy had to say about illegal aliens in 2006 about the Democrat position. The Democratic position also recognized you got 11 million alien, uh, illegal aliens here. They have to have a way to earn their way into the deal. This is an amnesty. They're required to take 11 years worth. They pay a fine. They got to learn to speak English. They got to pass um, oh, testers part. Yeah. Now, do you hear Joe Biden talking about any requirements to come into America right now? I think the only requirement they want is all the illegal aliens have to sign up to vote. And then take a listen. One more soundbite I want to share with you about his position in 2007, just 17 years ago, about controlling the border. I would radically ramp up the number of border security guards we have, the use of electronic surveillance material we have to guard the border, and a number of what they call virtual fences. They're not literally fences. Virtual fences from aerostat balloons on to where we, whereby we could control the border. Much, much better. Much, much better. And then what happens when Texas actually puts up concertina wire, razor wire on the border? Joe Biden uh, drags them into the Supreme Court to demand the right to dismantle the very security that Texas put up because Joe Biden refused to put it up. This guy's a liar all day long and twice on Sunday. Let's go to Paul. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind today on a First Amendment Friday? Oh, hi, Lars. I know that was all bait for me. But uh, I want to ask you uh, about gasoline prices. Now, a producer uh, asked me to only refer to national issues. But I, I'm, I'm surprised about that because were you not talking to my friend, uh, Todd Myers uh, from the National uh, Washington Policy Institute. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what, Paul, when you lie to the producer, you get bounced. And I'm sorry about that. That's just the way it's going to have to go because you can't lie to my producer. So we're just, I mean, and this, folks, this is a very simple rule. If you call in and you say, I'd like to talk about this, or I'd like to, you, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But, you know, in the case of Paul, he's deliberately saying, well, you know, I, I don't want to do, I don't want to say or talk to you about the things that I had planned to talk to you about. So we say goodbye to Paul. Let's go to Daryl. Hey, Daryl, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? I'd like to say that I think it's time that Texas secede from the Union and go back to being its own country. Why? And I might sell my house and move down there myself. No, but why would you want them to secede instead of standing strong for the rest of America, which is, they're the border right now, they're a big chunk of the border right now with Mexico, and they're doing the job that we asked Joe Biden to do, that Joe Biden refused to do, so why would you want them to stop being part of America? Because the Democrats are going to cheat, they're going to stay in power forever, and America's going downhill. So Texas helps us out by leaving the United States because the Democrats have driven things so far into the ditch that they're not going to, you know, that they're going to lose this fall. I mean, I can't imagine, Daryl, any, there are even Democrats today who are saying, I can't vote for this. I mean, there are angry Democrats in Chicago right now who are proud to be Democrats, but they say, our own party has dumped all these illegals on us and is making our life worse. Our own party has refused to control crime in the country and made our lives worse. 
Our own, you know, party has made groceries more expensive, gas more expensive, rent more expensive. Daryl, the way to win that fight is not to run away from the fight, nor does Texas have the legal authority. I know there are people on the Internet who, who have this myth going that Texas has the legal authority to secede from the union. Well, I suppose in some ways almost anybody has the ability to secede, but it would be a fight. But the Civil War settled that. States do not have the authority on their own, not even Texas, to be able to say, we're going to secede from the Union. And why you'd want them to quit the fight when it appears to me that they're actually winning the fight. Daryl, that one doesn't make sense to me, but I appreciate the call all the same. 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. You can uh, vote in our poll on X. You'll find that at Lars Larson Show. You can tell Alexa to play the Lars Larson Show and check out my Instagram feed as well. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Fix stupid. Stupid is forever. But you surely can vote them out. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866 Hey Lars. I also want to talk about uh, actually giving you an idea of what's really going on in the economy because the headlines you're hearing are wow, look at this. Our economy is growing like a weed. And then you say, well, is it really the economy? Or is it the government that is growing? Because you realize that government grows a lot as well, and government has grown like crazy in the last uh, three years or so. Paul Winfrey joins me now, who's a former Donald Trump policy advisor, now heads up the new think tank, the Economic Policy Innovation Center, otherwise known as EPIC. Paul, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So what is growing? I mean, mo when most of us think of the economy, we think of uh, grocery stores, we think of manufacturing plants, we think of things that are in the economy. But now the government has become a substantial chunk of the economy. Am I right? A huge chunk of the economy. So the White House is touting these growth numbers uh, that just came out uh, yesterday for uh, last year. And they're talking about how the economy grew just over 3% and about how that exceeds expectations from uh, from different economists across the political spectrum. Uh, but the reality is if you break those numbers down, about a third of uh, the total growth that we saw annualized over the last year is just because of state, local, and federal spending. And most of it's actually state and local spending using federal dollars. So in other words, it makes it perhaps a little dip more difficult to identify because the federal government takes our money, takes off its cut, sends a bunch back to the states, tells the states to spend it, and the states go ahead and spend it. And that spending is what is driving, what, what 1% of the 3% of growth we saw last year? That's right. Yeah. So if, if you remember the Build Back Better bill, the ARPA, um, yep, that passed the, you know, early on in the Biden administration, that included $350 billion in state and local fiscal recovery funds that this administration has essentially been using as a campaign slush fund. And that money went to states and locals in the middle of 2022, but they haven't been spending it. And part of the reason that they, have it, they hadn't been spending it 
is because uh, they were flush with cash and they didn't need it. Well, over the last year, the Biden White House has put a lot of pressure on them to get that money out the door. And so they've started to spend it, but there's still about $130 billion or so in unspent COVID money that's, that's sitting out there. But that's right. Um, the, the increase in state and local funding that we've seen that's contributed to those growth numbers, it all goes back to that pot of money uh, that was included in the, uh, in the ARPA, the Build Back Better bill. All right. Now, Paul, there are two things, I mean, two pieces of that that I don't I, I don't understand. We're all used to emergencies that happen. There are floods, there are hurricanes, there are earthquakes, all kinds of calamities that can happen uh, in states and communities. And if you say to the federal government, look, we're in a tough spot, this just happened. And they say, OK, well, we'll, we'll give you some cash to help you through that. Most of COVID was not about things destroyed, like the hurricane, the flood, you know, the the earthquake. It was it was look, you know, things have kind of shut down, mostly by choice by a lot of the states, where they said we're going to shut things down, and and they said we have all these people with all these needs, unemployment, uh, food stamps, etc. You could understand them plugging money into those programs, you know, whether that's good policy or not is another discussion, but. They're actually starting new programs. I mean, because when you talk about government growth, you're saying that when we see, you know, employment and hiring, they're actually creating new programs, not just propping up the old ones during a tough period of time. Am I right? Thousands of new programs. So there is a provision in that law that says that they can use this slush fund money for what's called revenue replacement. And the initial point was to allow them to replace revenue that was lost during the pandemic, but that never occurred. Uh, you know, state rainy day funds are higher than they've ever been. Uh, state revenues are, are higher than, uh, than they were before the pandemic, and they've grown every year. And so what states have done is that, especially the big blue states, as you can imagine, is that they have created new programs, and then they're using this COVID money to fund those new programs. So my my team went and actually looked at what some of these new things are, and and we found, I mean, just absolutely egregious, uh, you know, uses of, uh, of 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 this COVID money. So, for instance, about four hundred million dollars has gone to build swimming pools. About two hundred million dollars has been used to uh, put new irrigation systems into golf courses and buy golf carts. Um, and in fact, a, a town outside of Chicago, Illinois, uh, used their money to install an industrial shower. So that the um, they could attract the circus to town and be able to wash the uh, the elephants. What? So what? An elephant it, wash? Yeah. <laughs> An elephant wash. The COVID elephant wash. And and so you know if you look at how the state and local government bureaucracies are growing, it, it's really quite interesting because you're seeing employment shoot up over the last year. So about twenty percent of job growth, uh, total job growth. Um, since ARPA was passed, is uh, is in state and local employment in a normal, regular, you know, not you know, recession laden economy, we would expect that number to be around eight to to ten percent. Um, and and if you look at what kinds of employees they're hiring, it's it, you know, teachers and in school uh, and folks in schools like and, you know, janitorial staff and 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 lunchroom staff and, and those kind of folks. They're actually still at lower levels than they were before going into the pandemic, but administrative staff higher than it's ever been before. Um, and that's because they're hiring people to then uh, to uh, apply for more grants from the federal government 
in order to get more money to do more stuff. Well, and, and I know I'm hearing people out there saying, well, Lars, you wanted all those kids to catch up from the, t you know, the, the learning they lost during the pandemic. I do. But is there any sign that the money shoveled out there is actually making that happen or likely to make it happen? No, I, I don't think like if you look at where school systems are right now relative to where they were before the pandemic, they're, they're still lower than they were. And, uh, you know, part of that is because people have moved from public schools to private schools because yep. we saw how many public schools responded to the pandemic. But the other thing that's going on here is that that's not where the cash cow is, right? I mean, with, if you're a state and local government, and the federal government has told you that they will, you know, give you every grant under the sun for DEI purposes, then you're going to hire more people to apply for m more grants that look like that rather than uh, hire people to teach your kids. And so they're just chasing the incentives that the Biden administration is laying out. Well, in fact, I saw one program the other day. It was a local program. But they were saying we're going to give this state's uh, welfare system $4 million dollars to hire more people, to hire more people, or to sign up more people for welfare. And I thought if somebody's really in desperate economic straits and their income, you know, qualifies them, they're going to go apply for welfare on their own. Why do you need to, to hire more people to go out and scour the landscape for anybody you can sign up for welfare and, and create an, another additional expense? That, that one doesn't make That's sense. In fact, I wish they'd hire people who'd say, I'm going to figure out how to get you a job so you can get off welfare. That's right. That's right. But that would be counterproductive, right? <laughs> because then, then the states and locals wouldn't get their money. So, so, you know, they're, they're just following the incentives that have been laid out for them by, by the federal government. Hey, here. Paul, before we run out of time, where can people find all this data? They're going to want it from the new organization, Epic, the Economic Policy Innovation Center. Thanks so much. Uh, you can go to our website, www.epicforamerica.org, and you can find uh, the resources I talked about here and many, many more uh, there. Paul, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Talk to you. We'll, we'll get back to you in just a moment. If uh, you want to get to, on the phone, it's First Amendment Friday, 866-HEY-LARS. That's 646-439-5277. Naysayers go to the head of the line. Vote in our uh, ex-poll at Lars Larson Show. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. 
Visit 1031exchange.com. Senator John Kennedy gets it. Mr. President, you just got to try harder not to suck. Well said, Mr. Kennedy. We agree. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. And after the last couple of weeks of people having intermittent power in some cases and some people being out of power for about 11 days, this segment is brought to you by the home power generating folks at Protect Power. Make sure your loved ones are safe when the power goes out. Call 541-ONA-GEN. That's 541-ONA-GEN. On a First Amendment Friday, let's go first to Gordon, who's listening on the Radio Northwest Network. Hey, Gordon, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars, I'm calling regarding a call you took yesterday concerning some kids that uh, possibly needed assistance in a car. Uh, it's really hard to hear you, Gordon. Are you on a, I don't know if you're on a speakerphone or what? Yeah, hang on, let me... No, okay, I'll tell you what. We're going to get back to Gordon because all produ uh, the producer always tells people, don't be on a speakerphone, nobody can hear you. Let's go to Bert. Hey, Bert, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Thanks, Lars. i got one, 10 seconds to clear up the Texas issue, and then I'll get into where we are. All right, go I for it. Okay, the Texas issue was prior to 1835, Texas was part of Mexico. In 1835-36, they broke away, declared their independence. Yep. Subsequent to that, in the ongoing battles with there, they joined the Union. Uh, partway through the Civil War, they broke away as part of one of the secessionist states. Yep. When they broke away, when they were petitioned to rejoin the Union, they were accepted only if that provision to become a secessionist. Because when they originally became a state, they retained the right of secession. But when they petitioned to rejoin after the Civil War, they had to give away the, the, yep. the right of succession. And and see that's Bert. All I'm trying to do is I think part of my job. And tell me if you if you disagree. I'll run into memes that are very popular on the internet, but they're not factually based, and it bugs me yep. because I think sometimes when people get all tied up with crazy memes that don't have a basis in fact, it distracts us from the real issues. And so I try to bust those memes when I can't. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes not. Now, uh, what was the second I, issue? I know you believe that anybody has a right to their opinion, but not to their own facts. That's um, that's exactly okay. and well said. <laughs> So the, the the opinion is uh, at the bottom of the hour. You had a caller calling. He was mistaken as far as Texas goes forth. Um, yeah. You had made you had made the 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 opinion that um, there were a lot of Democrats out there that were going to be voting away from Democrats because it's just gotten so crazy. <laughs> and while I would agree that they will vote away from that, um, I, what I don't believe is that the people that are running the Democratic Party and running the presidency. Um, will allow those votes to be counted, even if it was in the deepest, per even if it was in New York State, and the people in New York State said, that's it, we've had enough, we're voting for, for a Republican, the votes would magically turn into Democrat votes, even when their own elected, even when their own party members are voting against them, they will not allow those votes I, to be counted. And, and Bert, I agree well they're going to try to cheat, which is why we can't let it even be close. Because the old adage exactly. uh, that I've heard for 30 years is, if it ain't close, they can't cheat. And if you'll notice, in 2020, you know why they had to simultaneously shut down six of the battleground states counting in the middle of the night and with no reason or made up reasons like, oh, a broken water main at the uh, at the Staples Center that turned out to be a leaky men's urinal. And you say, hold on, why'd they shut down? 
because the, the, the it wasn't close enough for them to cheat, and they needed to reconfigure. You know that's what happened, right? Yeah, and, and even when it was far apart, at Gre- when Gregoire was running for election, I know this is kind of more of a local thing, but when Gregoire was running for her re-election and she was thousands of votes behind, they did a recount, they did a recount, they had over well, 500 people that were homeless that that had all had the same address. Yep. That all voted for her. You know, I mean, it's see. It I, thought goes on first, and on. I thought the first. I thought the first gap with, for uh, Dino Rossi was 500 ahead. Then they counted again, and all of a sudden he was not as far ahead. And then on the third or fourth count, they got to Gregoire as being a couple of hundred ahead. In, in other words, the old my adage that I said at the time was, "They count till they get the number they want." <laughs> yep. You are correct, Lars, and keep people to keep the faith, brother. And, and, and watch that movie, Election. It may have a bunch of oh, Hollywood yeah. nitwits in it, but I'll tell you what, that's what happens. You don't want her to win, so you just take her votes and throw them in the trash can. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Victor. Hey, Victor, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Well, Victor's got phone problems as well. We'll go to Kevin. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? I just want to know about the welfare system. What you what thought about, about that? It's too it's too big and it's too well, fat. Well, my point is, my point is, I've been in the grocery business forty five years, and yeah. I've seen it abused over and over. So why don't they talk more about that? You know, they come. Well, to why our don't country. they? The they, Kevin. Let me tell you how it works. The federal government funds things like TANF, which is welfare. We used to call it welfare. Now it's TANF, temporary needy families. There's also SNAP, which is used to call food stamps. And and then they let the yeah. states administer the programs. Now, in the federal welfare, here's the simplest tr- change they could make right now because it's already in the law. The law says if you go on welfare, you go on food stamps, you're required to be seeking work. If you're on Medicaid, you're required to be seeking a job. And then what the states say is when things got tough, like in the depths of, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and the shutdowns, they say we have to have a, we got to give a, a, you know, we got to waive those requirements. Say don't make people look for a job because truly during the depths of the pandemic, especially in the Northwest, there weren't any jobs. So they waive the requirement. But then when things get better and there are lots of jobs as there are or, or were in, until about a year ago, uh, they say we're not going to put the work requirements back in. And that's a decision made by state officials and the state legislature. You need a different governor in Oregon. You need a different governor in Washington and a different legislature. And that will fix the welfare problem. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.